Hand of Glory Written by Cody Goodfellow Gilbert Newcomb was in the prison infirmary, recovering from second-degree burns on his hand, when the grizzled lifer in the next bed told him about the wish doctor. He set you free, Scribble said, like he did me. Scribble went blind, drinking Applejack brewed with brake fluid. Touch that sweet bitch you mumbling about, Alice. I can see right through these walls. Don't say her name, fool, Newcomb whispered. I'll fuck you up. It shook him to think he'd been talking in his sleep. Trying to help you, cuz. You finna go knocking on Joe, go see the wish doctor. He fix you up. Tell him Scribble sent you. <laughs> you tell him. Newcomb turned away with the paper pillow clamped over his head. But sleep didn't come. It almost never did. But now he had something to think about. He'd heard Cons whisper the name in mess hall. Loudmouth pops off on the yard and someone slaps him. He figured it was some new drug or a dealer, one of the few temptations he could resist. Unlike half the inmates in the infirmary, he didn't hurt himself on purpose to get out of work. He had to stay busy, needed money to buy bribes from the commissary. Newcomb enjoyed work, until the asshole running the steam press slammed it on his hand. Shitty pills they gave him barely blunted the pain. They ran through a checklist to see if he wasn't suicidal. Nothing hurt the state's feelings more than if you died owing them time. Newcomb drove on a smash-and-grab where a bystander got shot. He didn't carry a gun, but he got twenty to life. Forty-five before his parole hearing, but he was already working on his speech. I just want to go home to my wife and get an honest job. My wife... A week later, back in general population. Your cellmate is never your friend. Jackrabbit, so-called because he jumped or was thrown off the admin building during a roofing job. One leg was now four inches shorter than the other, but he made out all right, selling contraband and gossip. Any little thing he shared or told you, you'd pay for later. Jackrabbit already knew Newcomb had it bad. He traded half a carton of cools for the word on the wish doctor. Some kind of guru head shrinker ran a cult down south. Yoga, crystals, all that new age shit. Two of his followers died following his orders. They charged him with negligent homicide. Bunch of his flunkies testified against him. A month after he went in, he got his hand torn off by a wood chipper. Then, the shitheels who ratted him out started turning up dead. They put him in solitary for almost a year while the cops tried to nail him. But they found no evidence, no suspects, no chain of communication between the wish doctor and anyone outside. Nobody knows what block he's in. You can't just walk up on him in the yard. He makes dreams come true. Some say he works in the library. Put a note in a book. Tell him what you want.
Newcomb was sure he just wasted five packs. But next time the library cart came around, he returned the criminal law book he'd wasted a week staring at with a note in it. I want out. When his next book came, it wasn't the one he'd requested, but a dog-eared, foul-smelling paperback called Breaking Free. He flipped through it several times, but no note fell out. He tried to read it, but the words were nonsense and the musky smoke stench of the pages gave him a headache. He lay awake for hours after lights out. Just when he began to drift off, he felt something walk across his face. Fingers stroked his cheek, brushed his lips, and tapped on the space above and between his eyes. He jerked upright and rolled out of bed. He cursed Jackrabbit, but the cripple was snoring in the lower bunk. Next morning, he woke up to find the book on the pillow beside his face, its acrid stink filling his nostrils. Still hearing Jackrabbit snore below, he flipped through the pages. It fell from his hands, slapping the cracked concrete floor. He picked it up like a loaded rat trap. On the title page, someone wrote, See me in the yard today, with the blue sharpie he used for his postcards home. The handwriting wasn't his or Jackrabbit's, and it wasn't there last night. Newcomb wasn't any kind of engineering genius or criminal mastermind. He lacked the initiative or imagination to conceive an escape or the skills or connections that would make him an asset in a jailbreak. He had no friends inside. He avoided the gangs, kept his head down, just doing his time. But he wasn't going to last another year. He strolled the yard, avoiding searching eyes while scanning the parade of hard, hate-etched faces. The driving wind was full of sand, so the cons huddled close to the outer wall, scheming and smoking. He came to the end of the line and was ready to give up. Look at the wrong con too many times, and you get stomped or stabbed. He didn't know how long the other man had been walking alongside him. Make a wish, he said, voice like a radio announcer. His stale sweat and sage smoke smelled just like the book. Like I wrote, I want out. Newcomb tried to look, but it was like lead weights hung from his neck. He couldn't see past the taller man's shoulders, his left sleeve tucked into the pocket of his china-blue chore jacket. His shoes were lovingly polished, hard-soled black leather wingtips that crunched smartly on the ground. Nobody's broke out of here since before your daddy was born, said the wish doctor. How long you been in? Six months? He laughed like he was just visiting. Your body is here for the duration, but you can leave any time you like. If you want to touch the world beyond these walls, it takes discipline, sacrifice. What's the one thing you can't live without? It went against every rule of survival inside. 
Don't be weak. Don't want or need anything. Above all, never admit anything. When they'd crossed half the yard without an answer, the wish doctor softly added, I can't help if you won't tell me the truth, son. It's not like you're hiding it. Anyone who can read can tell you're a lover. Your heartbreak hangs around your neck like an albatross. Newcomb almost didn't believe this guy was real, but somehow that made it easier to just let it out. My wife. I dream about her. Mostly nightmares. I'm going out of my mind, man. Every day without her is hell, you know? Like, I could sleep. Really sleep. If I could just feel her skin and her heartbeat... He trailed off because he was about to choke up. Tell me more. He just shook his head. She was short, so she made him feel tall. Tall and strong. Her hips so perfect under his hands. Her breasts a perfect pillow. Her laugh, if you heard it coming out of a bar, you'd forget where you were headed and go inside. The stormy scowl when you let her down. The ocean of ancestral sorrow in those bottomless golden brown eyes. The rain and the sunshine after. She needed you to tickle her back to fall asleep. He held all these things back, but still felt as if he'd given them away. She's waiting for you? I think so. She can't afford to come visit but I know she doesn't want to see me in here. She doesn't write much, but I know how she feels. She's true, but I got 19 years before my first parole hearing. The wish doctor, if that was who he was, if there was such a person, stopped. Newcomb looked at the long shadow touching his feet. He felt cold right through his shoes. Maybe it's true, love. Maybe you just miss being free. Fuck you. Newcomb turned to walk off. There's a way. He stopped. If you really want it, but it's going to cost you, you have to rethink how you relate to your body. It's just a vehicle for your mind. You can escape it any time you like. You do what I tell you without any back talk, and you'll touch her again, love her again, and she'll wait for you. Would that make your time easier, kid? Newcomb looked around, everywhere but at the man talking to him. How much does it cost? He didn't laugh again, but there was laughter in the words. It costs what it costs. You just have to want it. He felt a gentle hand squeeze his right arm. He recoiled from it before anyone got the wrong idea. Looking down at that shadow, he almost swallowed his tongue. Nobody was touching him. The wish doctor's left arm, the one with no hand on it, was still tucked in his pocket. What do I do? Study the book. Do the work. 
Be ready. Newcomb steeled himself to look at the man's face, then turned around and around, then walked off the yard with his eyes straight ahead. There was no one there. He reported to the infirmary to have his dressing changed. The doc told him he could go back to work in another week. He tried again with the book. The headache came back, but he kept reading, staring into it like an eclipse. There were cases of people manifesting before distant loved ones at the moment of their deaths. Twins separated at birth who reported recurring dreams and alien memories of another life. Amputees who suffered phantom limb pain and stranger sensations long after losing their missing limbs. Some amputees actively worked to exercise the missing limb and reported being able to feel and even act on the outside world with it. Further proof that the essential self is not contained by the body, that it can overcome damage and even death. Further proof that we are more than our bodies. We can be infinite if only we accept it. He took it in and turned off the voice that told him this was bullshit for suckers. He kept an open mind and tried the exercises. Inhale. Inhabit the breath entering and leaving your body. Exhale all anxiety and stress. Visualize yourself as a cloud, as the music broadcast by your brain as a bird on the wing. Inhale. Visualize a place that you know well and yourself in it. Exhale. Fly. What do you see? Who are you with? What do you feel? Recall and reclaim the sensations. Be present in that place and enact your will upon it. Can you touch it? Move it? Inhale yourself back into your body. Regroup and compare your vision with your memory. Refine your mind-body image. Repeat. It was bullshit but he lay awake all night picturing their bedroom, straining to make it come clear until he slipped into a dream deeper than sleep. His clothes are gone from the closet. She repainted the walls a rosy gold, took all his pictures down. She patched the hole he punched in the door the night before he reported to jail. His TV is gone, and in its place a second-hand exercise bike. She... She's been working out. She quit smoking and cut back on the alcohol. She looks good, better than when they were together. She knows this. She reminds herself every morning when she looks in the mirror. This is not the end for her, but a new beginning. A chance to be who she was meant to be without him. The dream scares him awake. It has to be a dream, 
It can't be real. She's waiting. In his nightmares, she was jocking her ex, the mopey juice head whose tires Newcomb had to slash before he stopped coming around. In his nightmares, the ex mistreats her, steals her paycheck to buy drugs and video games. He can save her if he can just get out, if he can just touch her. This is worse than the nightmares. It can't be real. He's just driving himself crazy. He returned, breaking free the next time the cart went by. He got The Star Rover by Jack London instead of the crime novel he requested. He couldn't make sense of it and put it away hours before lights out. In the morning, inside the back cover in blue Sharpie, do the work. His dreams of home got more vivid every night, almost clear enough to touch. He waited for the other shoe to drop. He stalked the wish doctor. The library cart gave him the stupid books he asked for. No notes. The doctor took the bandages off his hand. Shiny new skin, the color of a sunrise. He got reassigned to the wood shop. Report tomorrow after breakfast. The trustee put him to work cutting dowels on a bandsaw. It was easier than the laundry. The racing blade hypnotized him. A magical slash in reality, cutting white pine bones. Once, this was a tree. The world went away. The minutes and hours divided into regimented lengths. Cut. 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 The push bar ripped out of his hand and flew halfway across the workshop. He jerked away, but didn't his hand flinch towards the blade? Someone down the row ripped off a thumbnail on a rotary sander and went to the infirmary just before the lunch bell rang. He made a point of eating at a different table every day. Stay away from your block. Stay away from gangs. Look for the quiet corner, old cons, just doing time. He was trying to eat his Salisbury steak with a plastic spoon when the shadow fell over him. The mystery meat went cold in his mouth. Seat taken? Go for it, he said. The bench barely flexed under his weight. Been waiting on you. I'm good. The con beside him sat with his left arm across his lap. Newcomb saw no hand sticking out of the cuff. I'm good if you're good. Are you really good, though, Gilbert? Newcomb's spoon missed his mouth. He dropped it on the tray, wiped the smear of greasy sauce off his cheek with a napkin. Book was a bunch of crazy bullshit. I'm out. He started to get up. A hand on his right knee pushed him back down. Newcomb smelled the rank sweat that permeated the book. Nobody's touched her since you went inside, Gilbert. She's lonely. She can't sleep either. You want to know what she thinks about? You don't care? I don't care. But if you want to hold on to her, 
You have to let go of what's holding you back. Cold fingers squeezed his knee until they left bruises. He looked down and saw nothing there. A single finger traced up the inside of his thigh. He punched his leg to make it stop. I can see and touch anything, anywhere, get to anyone. What wouldn't you give to touch her again? This is what I'm offering you. Newcomb looked around, all eyes on their trays. The inmate across the table lifted a spoonful of creamed corn. A fat green fly landed on it, rubbed its forelegs together, did a little jig, laid some eggs, and flew away before it reached his mouth. Get your hand off me, Newcomb said. The pressure withdrew as if it was never there. Newcomb shot to his feet so fast his head swam. He made himself look at the wish doctor. Long silver hair obscured half his face. One eye was a slack, weeping hole like a baby's mouth. The other one winked at him. Do the work, Gilbert. Newcomb scraped his tray and went back to the workshop, back on the bandsaw, cutting dowels lengthwise. His right hand screamed whenever he flexed it. He caught himself, pushing the dowels into the bandsaw with his left. He kept forgetting to use the push bar. The light off the speeding teeth winked at him. Its hum sounded like Alice when she was about to come. He felt someone looking over his shoulder. He turned to tell the trusty to stop breathing down his neck, but no one was there. He looked back, and it was already happening, like a dog running into traffic. All he could do was watch. The blade shimmied when it bit into his wrist joint, he screamed and pushed it into the cutting edge. The hum became an ecstatic shriek. Blood sprayed his face and lubricated the blade. He had to force it the rest of the way. The blade twisted and snapped on the bones of his thumb, whipsawing free and slicing his cheek. He collapsed on the shop floor. All work ceased. A crowd gathered around the bandsaw. Blood gushed on his chest, soaked his shirt. He clamped the gushing stump tight with his other, his only hand. Hands lifted him up and shoved him towards the exit. The trusty shouted for whoever took it to give back the inmate's missing hand. He woke up four hours later. They'd stitched up the stump like a football. Nylon sutures and superglue. They never found his severed hand. They were never going to send him to a fancy hospital to reattach the hand, even if they found it. But he knew where it went. His debt was paid in full. He thought he heard the ancient air raid siren they only used when the head count was off. He heard inmates and trustees talking. One was missing. 
Guards were tearing the place apart, all blocks on lockdown. The count was a mistake. All was in order. The wish doctor, gone. Who the fuck is the wish doctor? He was so doped up, he counted clouds passing through the infirmary, but his arm throbbed as if the bandsaw was still chewing through it. Tendons, ligaments, bone, singing like the stump was plugged into a light socket. A week later, the pain was even worse. Reduced to tears at night when the weak hydrocodone wore off, he chewed on the bandaged stump, choking a scream in the back of his throat. Jackrabbit threatened to kick his ass just to get sent to solitary so he could sleep. The library cart brought the book. Through the vape smoke and human stench of the block, he smelled it coming down the row. They pushed it between the bars, but he didn't get up. He looked at it, laying on the floor for a long time. He stretched out his abbreviated arm and willed the book to come to him. See? It's bullshit. He got up, walked to the bars, and stooped to pick up the book and try it again. The exercises came easier because he had no choice. He had to get away from the pain. Slowly, by agonizing degrees, the mindful breathing pushed the electrified agony away. It was nothing but noise in the shocked system, the screaming of nerves rudely severed and stitched by a butcher. When he breathed all thoughts and fears out of his body, he shut it down and slowly began to feel other sensations. The weird ghosts of things touched and forgotten. Corduroy, splintery wood, steel kissed with frost. Grubby rubber grips of a steering wheel. Creamy fleece of a baby blanket. Velvet, satin, silk. Skin. He got so he could feel the hand itself, feel the fingers uncurl and point, then contract into a fist, feel the blood pulse through it. No, no blood, no bone, no meat. It was a ghost of his hand, an extension of his essential self, but he related to it as he never noticed the presence of his old one. With another week, he could touch things in his cell without leaving his bunk. In a month, he could extend it to anywhere he could picture in his mind. He couldn't see the place, but he acutely felt surfaces, textures, temperatures, and he could almost manipulate whatever he could touch. Even the small change on her nightstand was too heavy to move, but he was getting stronger every night. He had some fun with that, but he was running out of time. She hadn't answered his latest letters. Maybe she just didn't understand what he was promising. Her last letter, she wrote she couldn't see how he could have got himself locked away if he really loved her. Everything he'd done was for love of her, for their future. He would prove it to her. The next night was their anniversary. He'd always forgotten it, even the first year, but she never held it against him. He breathed and became his breath, exhaled and extended his left arm, his hand. He focused. Inhale, visualize the room, visualize her, 
Alice. He exhaled and touched her. The exquisite downy hairs on the nape of her neck, the firm, work-toned muscles of her shoulders, the knots of tension that popped like tiny grapes when he kneaded her flesh. The shock of it almost kicked him out. He crushed his eyes shut, terrified of breaking the spell. His arm ramrod stiff, the gauze-swaddled stump, the close, fetid air of the cell. Six hundred miles away, his fingers tangled in her fine brown hair. He felt her arch back against his hand, like a cat aching to be scratched. How he wished he could smell her sweat and her breath, the vetiver fragrance she preferred to store-bought perfume. He wondered if he should cut off his nose. Putting out an eye would be a bargain just to see her. By the time they paroled him, he would be mostly gone, escaping one piece at a time, whittling himself down to a heart and a brain. Neither had ever done him much good anyway. He laughed for the first time since his conviction. Laughed because they couldn't deny him this. If he could just touch her, he could make it. They would make it. She rolled away across the bed. He reached out for her and touched someone else. The muscles were all wrong. The skin wrinkled and hairy and skeined with scars. He caught hold of a long, skinny arm that twitched in his grip, sliding down sweat-slick skin to the wrist, and it slipped free because there was no hand at the end of it. Newcomb's scream was stifled, by the cold, invisible hand closing around his throat.